if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll try to help you understand some kind of great misunderstanding that is happening now. Um, it's mainly about this extension of the EUMDR. Um, I, I have a lot of customers that comes to me with a lot of questions and uh, we decided to have um, mainly a discussion about or a clarification about what is happening, what you have the rights to do, not the rights to do, et cetera, and this and that. So uh, I have for that, I have a guest with me. So Florian Tolkmit, uh, which will be helping us to understand that. So Florian, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Well, thanks, Yumonir, for inviting me. And um, yeah, you asked me to introduce myself a bit. So um, I'm a biomedical engineer from background, worked in medical device development for a couple of years. And then um, I started working on the paperwork because my ex-boss wanted to focus on inventing new devices and did not like paperwork. And I said, well, I think it's kind of cool. So I started with risk management and with clinical evaluation. And from there, got into the mode of setting up complete technical documentations for the devices that we made and then switched into the service providing world for a regulatory affairs service provider, which I really liked. And yeah, ever since uh, I'm actually working in regulatory affairs, clinical affairs, uh, also switched sides to work for a medical device manufacturer for some years, but realized that I'm more the service providing type of person. So I came back into consulting. And a few years ago, I founded uh, ProLiance with my co-founder, Thomas. Um, and we're a team of 20 people now helping manufacturers with clinical affairs, regulatory affairs, and quality management topics. And apart from that, because I like networking so much, uh, I'm a chair of the Reps Germany chapter, which is a subsidiary of uh, Reps, which most people probably know, the Regulatory Affairs Professional Society. And I'm also assistant professor teaching a master's uh, class at the University of Applied Sciences in Lübeck, Germany, on the topic of clinical evaluation. Great. So uh, I think, yeah, this is great uh, to have you uh, on this podcast to help us on this um, on this situation. As you are also a service provider, so you are helping customers and maybe you have also a lot of those questions that uh, we are receiving about this, uh, this EUMDR extension. Um, but mainly just to start and to put, if I can say, uh, the topic really uh, um, uh, in the middle here of the discussion, uh, we call this uh, podcast the great misunderstanding of the UMDR. So what is this great misunderstanding or what, what's the thing that mainly is popping up too much with customers so that 
they don't really understand why what, what is this uh, this uh, extension here yeah i mean uh, i i like to call it the, the great misunderstanding of the mdr amendment because i think when the first discussions started about the mdr amendment um late last year so in 2022 um everyone right away had the feeling hey we're gonna get more time and um <clears throat> not only the notified bodies but mainly the manufacturers and i think because there was no very clear communication um yeah besides the process of drafting the mdr amendment and then going through all the necessary legal steps until it was published in march um i think this uh perception that hey we're gonna get more time was really um branded and everyone still has this feeling or at least many many people still have that feeling and that's actually not true that is the the misunderstanding the mdr amendment was made in order to get relief in the system and the relief is focused on notified body capacity um, there was a survey published by um, Team NB, which showed that the large majority of certificates, are uh, the MDD certificates, are still valid until the end um, of the previous transition period, so until um, yeah May 2024. And many manufacturers uh, were really waiting until the last minute to do the switch from MDD to MDR, and that was simply not possible with the available uh, notified body capacity. So the intention of the MDR amendment is to um, give more time to notified bodies to evenly distribute the switch of MDD certificates to MDR certificates. And yeah, the, the misunderstanding that from my point of view is still there that also manufacturers have more time to do all the preparation work that is necessary for them to do the transition. And that is simply not true. They really have to put the foot on the gas or not release uh, at all and uh, continue to do everything possible to, um, yeah, to achieve a smooth transition so that the notified bodies in the end will have sufficient time and will be able to, dis to distribute all the different uh, transitions of all devices because if they don't do that, then we have another wave and another crunch at the end of the new transition time uh, and uh, the notified bodies will have the same problem. So this uh, should be avoided. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I mean, I we can also understand some of those manufacturers say, oh, we have now more time. So let's remove this priority and work on another priority and this and that. And we see that also a lot as, as I'm also a service provider and I get some customers. We, we see that with a lot of manufacturers saying, oh, we have time now, so let's postpone the project or let's move forward on this. or let's not focus on that for a moment. We'll contact you again when we'll be <laughs> needing you, this kind of thing. So, which yeah. is understandable in terms of business uh, activities to say, okay, we still have until 2027 or 2028, but um, yeah. There are some conditions now. It's not like before under uh, when we had those extensions, we say, okay, we have here is the new date for the extension. Mm -hmm. Now it's like you here is the new date, but you can go to this new date under certain conditions here. So who can benefit 
from this extension then? Who, 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 which company are eligible to get this extension? Yeah, it's actually all those companies uh, that have legacy devices that want to transfer to MDR. So this is the, the main general condition. Of course, there are more that we're going to talk about, but uh, also these companies have uh, to have had a valid MDD certificate in place, or I mean, I'm also including the uh, AI MDD, of course. Um, and that certificate had to be valid um, at the publication date of the MDR amendment. So that was on March 20th, uh, 2023. Or if it was not valid anymore, then they needed uh, at that point in time um, an agreement with a notified body already in place that was saying, okay, we are going to transition uh, with the timeline that we're going to talk about as well. Or uh, they needed um, a declaration from a competent authority according to Article 59 or uh, 97, but I think Article 59 is more likely, which focuses on those devices uh, that are really, I would say, uh, desperately needed. Uh, and if they would not be there, uh, we would have a problem as European population. And that article was uh, used a lot during Corona uh, because we needed certain medical devices quickly um, to be to be available for everyone in Europe. That's where they used it a lot. But now it's also possible to apply uh, this and have a derogation, um, yeah, actually confirmed by a competent authority. Exactly. So basically, um, as I said, legacy devices, that is the, the main topic. And then a valid certificate in place is, is the second necessary point. So um, uh, as, you, as you mentioned also, um, there, there is um, some, um, some devices that even if they don't have a, a certificate valid, there are some competent authorities that can approve them. It's like competent authorities acting as notified bodies while you are transitioning at, at the same moment. Uh, but as you said also, it's mainly for life-sustaining device for exactly. 59. But we have the Article 97, which is more for any other device than you have like uh, also some conditions for that. I have a few customers that were asking me to help them on, this, on these ones. Uh, but there are a big list of conditions also. So it's not like you can just uh, uh, go through that, uh, through that uh, easily. Exactly. Um, in terms of timeline now, okay, we the previous date or the previous MDR date was May 26, 2024. Mm -hmm. um, as we said, a lot of manufacturers had their certificate going until that date. So it means that we had a huge wave to handle. Now, what are the new dates now for those medical devices here? There's actually quite a few dates that uh, we all have to keep in our heads now. And I think if we mention all of the different dates for all of the different devices, it will be quite confusing, but yeah. let's stick to just a few ones. And uh, I would say we, we start with the um, most important ones or with those that uh, are actually applicable to most manufacturers. And that would be uh, for class three um, and two B implants. So the prolongation of the transition period will be possible until December or end of December 2027. And for all other devices where a notified body is involved, it will be uh, end of December 2028. But that's only the prolongation of the transition period. And that is only possible if 
the manufacturer and the notified body together comply with certain conditions that uh, we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. And then there's, uh, for example, different devices that, uh, yeah, it's only for a small group uh, of manufacturers, I would say. And I would like to point out the custom-made 3D implants. So they have a different transition period, uh, and that ends in May 2026. Um, and then the third category, so to say, would be the NX16 devices or NX16 products. So those without medical intended purpose and um, the main intention between uh, or the main intention of the uh, transition periods here is not part of the MDR amendment but it's part of a common specification that was released uh, end of 2022 uh, or uh, in the middle of 2022 sorry and the intention of these transition timelines is to put the manufacturers in the position to have enough time to generate additional clinical data if it is needed in order to go through conformity assessment. So the, the main idea is that uh, there are uh, consecutive dates, first date uh, for them, if they need to perform a clinical investigation would be June 2024, and they need to file an application with their local competent authority uh, that they want to do clinical investigation. Then the next date would be they have started the clinical investigation. Yeah. It would be end of December 2024. Next step would be that they agree with the uh, notified body to uh, go into conformity assessment. That's end of 2020 or mid of 2026. And then they need to have uh, the conformity assessment finished until June 2028. So it's really a consecutive uh, flow of different things that has to be followed. And only if they comply with each step, uh, one after another, they are able to continue uh, to sell the devices with the MDD certificate in place. Uh, if they stop in between, for example, if uh, they started with clinical investigation, um, but they don't finish it, then uh, the whole thing uh, should be stopped and they will not be able to continue to sell the devices anymore. Exactly. And uh, th this is the change uh, from the previous, if I can say, mentality on, on extensions. Uh, mm -hmm. Before it was just, oh, here is the, the date now, the final date. Now they put in place some milestones in the middle so that... Yeah. If you are not meeting those milestones, you cannot benefit from this extension. And then which is obliging those those, those manufacturers to do that. And for example, uh, for this extension of EUMDR for the normal devices, uh, we said also that there are some, um, some conditions for that. So it's not like you, yes, my product um, is a class 2A, so I can go until... Uh, 2028 uh, December 2028 no there are some conditions in the middle so that you can benefit from 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 this uh, thing also yeah actually it, it's quite interesting if we look back to nx uh, 16 devices just for one second uh, the common specification was uh, released long before well not yeah. that long but long exactly. before the mdr amendment and they already had this milestone exactly. in there and now we have the mdr amendment and we also have the milestones in there uh, and as you mentioned, certain conditions. And 
there's actually uh, a list of these conditions in the MDR amendment. Uh, and yeah, a few things that need to be pointed out is, for example, that the manufacturer needs to have the QMS MDR ready by May 2024. So that's actually less than one year from now. And if a manufacturer wants to make use of the prolonged transition time, then they have to have the QMS ready, uh, MDR ready by next year. So there's no time to wait. That's really important. And then um, also by the same date, so by May uh, 2024, they need to have lodged a formal application for MDR transition um, with their devices. And then they have six months to negotiate a contract with the notified body. And until uh, 26th of September 2024, the contract needs to be signed. And exactly. if that doesn't happen, then of course, um, yeah, the milestone was not achieved. And then the prolongation of the timeline is not possible. And from the perspective that this is only a bit more than a year from now until the contract has uh, to be signed. And there's also another condition, which is uh, manufacturer and notified body need to agree uh, on a schedule for submission of the um, corresponding technical documentation for all the devices that need to be uh, transitioned to MDR. And um, of course, this negotiation of the contract and review of the formal application, all this takes time and the notified bodies, at least from what I have heard, are already fearing that in the period between um, May and September 2024, they will be very busy uh, doing all these administrative things checking the applications, uh, negotiating contracts. And I've heard that uh, the notified bodies expect that for one customer, they probably need between two and five days for all this administrative things and setting up the contract. And uh, they are kind of fearing that there will be no time for other things like performing conformity assessment, like doing audits, which of course they also have to do because there's no uh, time, uh, no extra time that they get and they have to do their daily business as well. So this will be very tight. And I can only recommend to manufacturers not to wait until May, 2024 to submit the application to the notified body because it might be that then it's already too late, even though this is the legal legally binding date, but I mean, what are you going to do if the notified bodies are overloaded with applications at at a certain day and they are simply not able to handle it anymore? So don't wait. That's exactly. my advice here. Exactly. And one thing that you've said, what is in, which is interesting also is um, um, your, so we discussed about those timings until May, uh, until uh, December 2027, December 2028 for some products. Um, here, this this doesn't depend on the manufacturer it depends on the notified body so it, which means that when you will do the application they will give you the schedule as you said you will negotiate with them but the idea for them as you said is to evenly uh put all the application uh, within this period so it means that maybe your application as soon as you register that the schedule will be for uh 2026 already or 2025 already and you have, I suppose, no choice. It's not like, I mean, as you say, it's a negotiation, so you can negotiate. 
but there will be no real choice. So this is also the danger for people to have in mind those 2028, 2027 dates when it's not really on their hand, it's on the hand of the notified body. Well, actually, it's supposed to be in the hands of the manufacturers. So they are the ones uh, that have to come up with a schedule for submission. And they have to provide that schedule to the notified body together with a formal application. And then, as you correctly said, it needs to be negotiated. And what will not happen is that the notified bodies will accept schedules from all different manufacturers that foresee submission of all technical files in 2027 and 28. That because that's simply impossible. And to coordinate all of this between the different manufacturers, so the, the customers of the notified bodies, this is a lot of administrative work that the notified bodies have to cope with that was not there before. And that is a new burden that was put on them uh, by the MDR amendment, actually. And that's why I was saying that they are kind of fearing that uh, they will have a lot to do with organizational tasks. Of course, different notified bodies operate differently, no, no doubt about that. And I'm sure that uh, probably the bigger one will have less issues with that than the smaller ones, but there are also many smaller ones. And um, yeah, we will see how, how they are able to cope with that. And as you also correctly said, it's really important to come up with realistic schedules because what happens if a manufacturer, I mean, uh, plans to submit technical documentation at a certain point in time, let's say um, January 2025, and then they don't have uh, the capacity to update their technical documentation in time, and then the submission date is there and they cannot submit but the notified body has planned the review already, then everything gets mixed up and messed up. Maybe they will make other customers happy because they have uh, time for a review of a different technical doc documentation a bit earlier. But this also costs administrative uh, time again because they have to reorganize and uh, things like that. So uh, it's really important that the schedules are realistic on the one hand side for manufacturers, but then also uh, adhere to so that the notified body can then really uh, do the review when it was planned. Hey, just a second. Do you need a EU, Swiss or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. Exactly. And uh, one thing, and uh, you have maybe also this experience with some manufacturers, uh, we have submitted a lot of applications with a lot of technical files, etc. And um, it's never, if I can say it's never straightforward, if I can say so, there is always uh, some questions from notified bodies which ask us to modify something or are not agreeing on for example, equivalent devices for clinical, etc. So those kind of things. So it's not like a straightforward system or uh, application where you submit and then you just receive your certificate at the end and it's all fine. No, there are all always some milestones that can be uh, triggered and which can extend also this um, review. Uh, as as it said also on the AUMDR, you have three times um, the possibility to have a, a question and answer from the notified body also. So it's more like, uh, it can be one time, two times, three times, but at the end, it's like maybe three months between each question and answer, so which makes it like nearly nine months or nearly one year at the end. So 
you should not think that, oh, now that you applied, everything is finished. No, I have still customers that we are still one year now. We are still on the question and answer with the notified body one year after the first application. So this is also something that it's why what you, when you said uh, a realistic schedule, it's also in the fact to say that you should not submit at the end the your application because you have to have some time for reviewing, some time for questions, some time for corrections. And also your certificate will not be available immediately after the approval. It will be available right. maybe three or four months after or even six months sometimes for some customers so that they are printing the, the, the certificate and providing that to you, et cetera, et cetera. So this is really something that people have to take into account also and not thinking that, yeah, it will be really easy just as soon as you are applying to the notified body. Yeah, absolutely. And if you count backwards from, let's say, uh, 2027, and we know from experience uh, from the different notified bodies that they are saying approximately a conformity assessment or technical file review takes between 12 and 18 months. You can uh, subtract that from end of 2027, and then it's already mid of 2025 when the submission has to be made and uh, the review can start, including all those review rounds that you mentioned and a bit of back and forth and the issuance of the certificate in the end. And mid of 2025, I mean, it's, it still feels like it's some time away, but it's not so much anymore. And if a manufacturer has more than one product, of course, they cannot expect that they submit all the products at once. I mean, apart from that being not practical on the manufacturer side as well, because probably they don't have uh, so many resources available that they can finish all the technical documentations for all products at the same time, but uh, it's more a sequence. So having or taking this into account that the notified body conformity assessment takes time, the certificate um and the um yeah the um getting ready the technical documentation on the manufacturer side you you always have to count backwards and then actually if you do that uh you realize that hey uh actually tomorrow i have to be ready exactly so you are already not, late not that much time anymore <laughs> exactly you, you if you do this exercise maybe as i said if you have a lot of products maybe you are already late now so it's a exactly it's, it's yes. that thing um, when you say about technical file, one, one of the questions that we had a lot uh, also is uh, the fact that when you are applying for uh, uh, to a notified body for for your dossier and everything, um, some people say, "Oh, but I'm not already I'm not ready now, so I should not apply now. I don't have a technical file. I don't have a quality management system ready, mm -hmm. etc." So, what is your advice on that? Well, there, there was a bit of discussion uh, during. Uh, the negotiation of the MDR amendment. So there were notified bodies that uh, were saying, well, if we accept that uh, manufacturer um, sends the application without the technical documentation uh, already MDR ready, then at the point in time where we start with the review, we sometimes uh, really see big surprises and the technical documentation is not really ready and we have to reject it. So these notified bodies, they would have liked that with the application, manufacturers also hand in the complete technical documentation already. But then in uh, not in the MDR amendment, but the corresponding Q&A document from the EU Commission, 
it's clearly stated now that the technical documentation does not need to be ready and will not be reviewed at the time of application. And that, that gives more time to manufacturers. So they only have to have a schedule in place when they will have the technical documentation ready. And as said before, that schedule has to be agreed upon with a notified body and not everything at the end of the transition timeline. Um, but it's sufficient to have the planning ready. And uh, I mean, one argument that absolutely speaks for this way of doing it is that uh, if the application is lodged by May 2024, and then, for example, uh, the, the, the submission date is uh, in January 2026, a lot can have happened in between. And if, uh, yeah, then the technical documentation, of course, needs to be updated again. And if they would have su submitted it together with the application, then, uh, of course, it would have been absolutely outdated. And that doesn't make sense. So my, my suggestion is to work on getting technical documentation MDR ready and then keeping it up to date until the submission date and not wait until the submission uh, until the submission date to get it ready exactly. so i think work in the direction and uh, then you're going to be fine but as as you said and uh, from that perspective i can actually understand some manufacturers where they say okay we have a bit more time but it's not so much it's not so much exactly and uh, one thing that is also important is the so Team NB is really uh, also an association from not fat body and really helping to harmonize this communication and really helping uh, on 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 the on the discussion about uh, how notified body should do things uh, for people also that uh, want to see that so when you go to the Team NB uh, uh, website there are also some guidances. On, on that. There is also a guidance on technical file for IVDR and MDR, how to do that. So it's also something that maybe can be helpful for you on how what is expected by notified bodies within each chapter of the of the of the MDR. It's just examples. So it's not like uh, it's not fitting all products. It's examples so that you have a kind of an understanding on that. Um, Team NB has also issued um, a template of a letter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Letter for notified bodies to uh, confirm that the manufacturers are able to uh, to um, uh, to extend their their products with the UMDR. Um, we had a discussion on that just before uh, recording um, uh, this podcast. So um, I had some customers that were asking me, "Oh, my certificate is expiring soon, uh, but my notified body is not ready to sign this letter, or it has too much workload to sign the letter. So I will never have this have this letter available by this date." Uh, should I stop to sell my product by the end of my certification or this and that? So what would you say to them then? Well, I would say, no, it's not uh, mandatory to have such a letter in place. The main intention of uh, this letter uh, was actually to um, provide evidence to manufacturers that they are still able uh, to market their devices, even though the certificate says it's not okay anymore because the certificate uh, has a validity date usually, right? So, um, and that will end at some point in time and together with this confirmation letter, um, that's the evidence that, uh, yeah, manufacturers can use because notified bodies are not able to change MDD certificates anymore. That's absolutely a no-go. 
but they can make like it's like an amendment or an annex to it and that would be this uh, kind of confirmation letter and from from what i understood it was actually um initiated by the notified body coordination group which is like uh something comparable to mdcg so it was not from team nb but team nb is also linking to this document and of course telling all team nb members to uh, use this confirma confirmation letter but if you don't have this confirmation letter, you can continue to sell your product. It's not mandatory to have that. From my point of view, yes, absolutely. So it's nowhere in, in the MDR amendment that you need such confirmation letter. And if I interpret the uh, European Commission Q&A about the MDR amendment, there they talk about this, uh, that it would be helpful to have that, especially if you want to bring your product to uh, other countries where, for example, free sales certificate together with CE mark is accepted. And these countries might not understand why the product can still be marketed without a valid certificate. And then this confirmation letter is supposed to help. Okay. Um, so for the one that are listening to us, so don't, uh, I mean, be feared to continue to sell your products. If you are, um, as, as we said also, we have mentioned a lot of conditions. If you are meeting all the requirements, all the conditions that we have described here, automatically, normally, you your certificate is extended. Um, you can, yeah. uh, it's what I'm advising some of my customers, you can create a, a small dossier, if I can say for that, to show all the evidences that you are meeting all those criteria. Uh, so to show that to anybody that is really uh, looking for that, uh, it can be like a self-declaration self, uh, self uh, declaration or self-review of that. But Normally, and as uh, Florian said, automatically you are extended as soon as you are meeting all the, the requirements that are mentioned on the on the on the letter on the um, amendment. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, we are all quality and regulatory people, right? And we know you need evidence for everything. So document it. Uh, you can do it on your own, or you document it with that confirmation letter, and uh, that's it. Exactly. Um, okay, Florian, I think we covered all the topics of today. So can we try to just make a summary maybe for uh, for what we said today? So uh, how will you summarize all that now? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I can try. And I think there's just a few things that everyone should keep in mind. So time is running, the clock is ticking. Uh, just keep the, the foot on the gas pedal and don't uh, start to break now. Don't relax, but uh, continue. And the, the few steps that need to be taken from my point of view is, first of all, get the QMS MDR ready and don't wait uh, with that because actually uh, for the MDD products, uh, the uh, post-market surveillance requirements and vigilance requirements, they should have been in place already. And if you don't have that, then you're really actually making a mistake. So this is absolutely a requirement for May next year when you um, uh, hand in your application, but hand it in earlier, I would say. Then next thing is uh, identify gaps in your technical documentation. So um, really check your technical documentation if it is MDR compatible or not. And if it was MDD compatible, it doesn't mean that it's also compliant with MDR. We're experiencing that again and again, that people say, hey, we've had our MDD technical documentation and we just take that and uh, say this is MDR compliant now, but that's not working. So you need to invest time. Then if you have done that, you have an overview of 
all the things that need to be done and you can come up with a plan for closure of all these gaps. And based on that, you can calculate how much time, how much resources you will need. And you can come up with a realistic schedule from your point of view, what will be possible in order to close the gaps and have all your technical documentations MDR ready. And uh, then with that plan in place, you are able to submit your application for MDR transition to the notified body and do that as early as possible. Don't wait until May next year. Then um, get the contract with your notified body in place. And in parallel, of course, already start working on closing all the gaps in the technical documentation. And by the time your submission date comes up, have everything ready, submit it to the notified body. And really, I would recommend stick to the uh, Team NB um, uh, uh, recommendation for technical documentation, because this is how they see technical documentation. This is what they expect. Exactly. And if you have closed all gaps and submitted, uh, or even if you have closed all gaps and the submission date is still, I don't know, maybe a few months ahead of time or a year ahead of time, don't forget to keep updating your technical documentation because it's a living thing. It's not something that you do once and then leave it alone forever. So keep on updating it. And even after, you need to keep it updated always. So because we have uh, under MDD, we had a lot of uh, technical files that were still the same. But now there are so many documents that are inside that should be updated, like clinical evaluation, post-marketing surveillance, etc. It should be inside your technical file. So yeah, if there are any changes to the document, you have again to update your technical file. So it's important there. Right. Um, Great. So thank you, for, Florian, for that. Uh, great summary. So I hope it's helpful. Um, so for the audience, how can you help the audience? What is exactly your, the activities that, why should they contact you specifically? Well, um, actually, as I said in the beginning, I'm a co-founder of a consultancy. So what we do is we help many manufacturers with uh, clinical evaluation and related topics. And into that counts also risk management, post-market surveillance, post-market clinical follow-up, uh, biological safety. So all the bits and pieces that are necessary for uh, the technical documentation and to get that MDR ready. And of course, uh, we have experiences with uh, quality management. And if a manufacturer needs help to understand what is necessary to get the quality management system MDR ready until uh, in about one year, uh, we are also able to help there. But uh, yeah, the main focus, I would say, is uh, all the topics, all the bits and pieces that are necessary to make the technical documentation MDR ready. And if someone has trouble with uh, planning, I mean, it's not that easy for, for some people, I always realize. Uh, of course, we have seen many good examples of how planning can be done. Uh, we are also uh, willing to help with that in order to really have a, a, yeah, a good plan in place that is realistic and that's justifiable um, when talking to a notified body. Great. No, really, really interesting here. Um, and one thing that you asked me also that we talk about is more mainly about um, networking, if I can say. So what should we say about that also? Yeah, so I mean, I'm a bit fan of networking. And okay. uh, as I mentioned in the introduction as well, I'm, uh, I really think that um, 
yeah, we need to network and we need to uh, exchange experience and knowledge uh, across company borders and even better uh, also with people from notified bodies, from authorities, from consultancies and so on and so forth. And um, I'm very engaged in reps. I'm actually chair of the reps Germany chapter. And we're trying to bring people together in local networking events uh, just to have maybe a beer together or eat together and talk about regular, uh, regulatory challenges. And uh, sometimes we really have that mix of people in these events. And I think that is very, very valuable when you can talk to people and not be in the situation, hey, I cannot consult and things like that. But yeah. it's an informal way of, of speaking with each other. Exactly. And that, of course, can also happen at uh, conferences, at trainings, and so on and so forth. So I really encourage everyone to do as much of networking as possible. And uh, yeah, maybe I can recommend one event that's my personal favorite, and that's the Reps Euro Convergence. Uh, actually, it just passed uh, in uh, May, just a few weeks ago. It uh, took place in Amsterdam. The next one will be in May 2024 in Berlin. Okay. Uh, and that's also international or the, the Reps uh, convergence that always takes place, I think, in September or October uh, in the US or Canada this year. Uh, so Reps is a very good resource for people to network. Yeah. And uh, I remember the first time I met you was at Medica uh, right. 2019, <laughs> if I remember. Or something like that. So it was uh, yeah. even before COVID, because after COVID, I didn't went uh, back to Medica. But yeah, we met there. So yeah, it's always important to meet people. And as you've said also, um, there are a lot of interpretation of the regulations, so it's good also to meet to understand what people are thinking or what is their opinion on this kind of thing, So, which is also a, a great understanding there. Um, great. So thank you, um, Florian. So Florian, um, we I have placed all the links, the, nearly I hope I have placed mm -hmm. all the links of what we discussed today on the show notes. So uh, about the EUMDR extension, the notified body confirmation letter, the also the details of uh, Florian and the uh, and the ProLiance. So uh, don't hesitate to go on the show notes uh, to see all that. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions, and you can contact directly uh, Florian or myself if you have uh, uh, some some comments or or, or, or still some misunderstanding about what we what we said today. Um, okay, Florian. So. Thank you. It was really a pleasure to have you today. And uh, I hope yeah, this will be helping a lot of the people that are listening to uh, avoid those misunderstandings and to uh, also keep uh, having some good practices on uh, the submission of the technical documentation to the notified board. Okay, Florian. So it was really a pleasure. Thank you. And I wish you a nice day. I thank you too. And I hope everyone is waking up and not uh, waiting. Until exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.